us, if you have your Bibles, please. Let's see where we go this morning. We'll start here. That don't mean we're going to end here. So we'll just see. Isaiah chapter 40, if you have your Bibles this morning. Isaiah chapter number 40. In the midst of a world that is filled with chaotic activity, the midst of a nation that seems to be spiraling out of control, in the midst of what appears families been overran by demonic forces of all sorts, I want to encourage us today if the Lord would help me and I'm going to do my best to share with you for a few moments and uh, I pray that we'll have ears to hear today what the Lord is saying. We're not going to go down in defeat. I, I want to make that proclamation before we do anything today. Maybe your neighbor will listen to you a little bit better than me. Just kind of tell your neighbor and say, you know what, you're going to make it. Uh, that wasn't very convincing. <laughs> I don't know if I want you on my team or not. <laughs> tell your neighbor, say, you're going to make it. <laughs> That's a little better. <laughs> but how many knows that while we are a spirit being living in a fleshly body, this fleshly body can get very loud sometimes. It can tell you how it's going to be and when it's going to be and all these things. But you and I today have to understand that we sometimes have to take authority over ourselves. And we have to get ourselves back in alignment. And uh, so today we're going to deal with, I'm going to deal with a weariness to a certain degree. But if the Lord help me for a few moments, I want to talk to you about being the relentless church. The relentless church. Isaiah chapter 40, verse number 29 through verse number 31. I want to read together with you this morning, and we'll lay this as a foundation, and we'll see how far we get this morning together. Isaiah 40, beginning in verse number 29. It says, Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding, and he giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fail, but they that wait upon the Lord. Tell your neighbor, say, I'm waiting. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, and they shall mount up with wings as eagles, and they shall run and not be weary and they shall walk and not faint. Can I read that last verse again? But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles and they shall run and not be weary and they shall walk and not faint. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you this morning. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your people today. I thank you for the privilege to stand in this house one more time and to share with your people. Lord, I pray for the next few moments that I would decrease and that you would increase. I pray that I would not speak my opinion, but Lord, I pray that the anointing of your Holy Spirit would rest upon us to speak with power and authority of your word. And Lord, I pray 
that lives would be transformed and changed. And we'll give you the praise and the glory for all that's accomplished. The church says amen and amen. You may be seated. Thank you for honoring the word of the Lord this morning. The basic definition for the word relentless is this, that which does not relent, unyielding, meaning that it is going to stay the course. It will stay focused no matter what may come its way. Paul writing to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, the first three verses of that chapter, we read the following. He says, therefore, seeing we have this ministry as we have received mercy, we faint not. He's simply saying, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. I want us to understand that we are in a place today where the world around us, they're trying everything or have tried everything and they are spiraling out of control today in a state of hopelessness and helplessness. And we find that there is a generation that is prematurely exiting this planet before they ever even had an opportunity to really begin to live. We come to the house of God week after week. We are committed to our traditions, and I'm not speaking ill of that. But we are committed to our traditions, and we have our ideology, and we have our way of doing things, and we think that we have it all figured out. And yet we continually bury a generation or we continually witness individuals self-destruct and families be destroyed. We sing our songs, we dance our dance, we identify as worshipers, we identify as men and women of power and authority. We are really good at storytelling about how good it used to be, but yet we fail to be an example to this current generation in such a manner that they realize there's something worth living for. You have to forgive me today because I'm I'm going to give you my heart, but I, I pray you have the heart of the Lord because what you and I have today was not just given to us, but what we have today has been given to us covered in not just the blood of Jesus Christ, but by the blood of generations that's been before us. They fought for it. They've defended it. They have contended for it. And they refuse to give it away. Today I stand before you in the midst of weariness, brokenness, maybe even a level of frustration. But at the same time I stand here knowing this, that I refuse to relent. 
I will continue to fight with every fiber in me for this glorious gospel and for you and for your families. Because can I tell you, we are living in a time where the enemy is doing everything he can to destroy. And I can give you philosophy, I can give you my personal theology, and it will not do anything for you. But the one thing that I can give you that the enemy does not want you to hear, and that is the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. All men come to a place of life through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Reinhard Bunke said this, the unpreached gospel is the same as having no gospel at all. If we are not careful, we'll go to the house of God week after week, month after month, and if we're not careful year after year in the United States of America, and we get all kinds of fluff, and we get all kinds of self-help, and we get all kinds of, you can be better than you are currently, but if we're not careful, we're not giving men and women the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can I tell you the only thing that's going to fix whatever you're facing today is not another church, not another message, not another preacher, not another song, but is when you come to a place where you say, I surrender my life to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Please hear me. I believe it is correct to assume that all of us in attendance today is here because we desire to experience some refreshing of some sort in our life. If we are going to step into that which we are desiring, please hear me. We are going to have to realize it doesn't just happen, but we have to become relentless in our pursuit of the things of God. Somewhere along the way, we come to be led to believe or we have allowed the enemy to place things in our mind to think that, well, we can turn our Christianity on and off like a light switch and we can go after the things of God when it's convenient for us or when we want to and and all of these things. But please hear me today. If we are going to impact a society, if we are going to impact the world today, if we're going to reach our family, if we're going to see a difference in our community, there is going to have to be something present in it like any other community or any other nation, and that is this. There is going to have to be a relentless church, meaning this, that we are committed no matter what is going on around us. And today, if I'm, if, what I'm witnessing, and I've had the luxury and the privilege to travel and be in many places, but I see that we're so passive We're so comfortable and we're just so casual towards the approach of saying, well, we'll put on the armor of God when we feel like it. But can I tell you, in the last 48 hours, you probably saw on your device or your television that Israel didn't have a choice. But all of a sudden, thousands of rockets began to rain down upon their people. And it wasn't that they wanted to be dressed for war, but today they're in war. And it's going to escalate and many lives are going to be lost, unfortunately. But can I tell you, 
we can see that in the natural, but what we don't see in the spirit is this, that we are also engaged in a war and the enemy is continually, daily firing dart after dart after dart. And it's firing into your community, into your nation, into your marriage, into your children. And the enemy is doing everything he can to do whatever it takes to bring destruction and death because that's what he does. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So my question to you and I this morning is this, is do we really truly have on the garments of war that God has instructed us to have in order to be the relentless church that God has called us to be in this time in which we live? I must ask you and I today the question, are we really up for the task? You see, Reinhard Bunke also made this statement. I've used this statement before in the past, but he simply said this. He asked the question. He says, in your house is two stoves. One is hot and one is cold. If you're desiring a cup of coffee, which one of them would you use? It's a pretty logical question. Pretty simple answer. But I must ask the question to you and I today, which stove would you say best describes you? Which stove best describes me today? Are we burning with a passion for the things of God or are we simply just content with setting in the presence of God? Please hear me. We are cautioned in Galatians chapter six and verse number nine to not grow weary in well-doing. And one of the greatest challenges that we face in ministry and in our lives is weariness. And as we read in Isaiah chapter 40 together this morning, weariness is something that is not of God. He does not grow weary. But when one becomes weary, notice what happens, they become faint. The basic definition of the word weary is physically or mentally exhausted by hard work or to be dissatisfied, causing fatigue. But notice with me, If weariness brings us to a place where we are fainting, we must have an understanding of what does it really mean to faint. To faint simply means to be lacking brightness or lacking vividness, to not be clear and to not be very loud. I don't know if you've noticed or not in our culture today, The gospel is not ringing out very loud in many areas where we used to have a seat at the table. We're no longer necessarily acknowledged. And I think part of that as a result is because there's a people that have become weary. But I come with good news this morning to tell you that if we ever get back to the gospel, we will find out that there is something there that the enemy does not want you and I to understand that is rightfully ours. I can celebrate this morning that I'm saved and on my way to heaven and oh, what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace, what a day that'll be. We sing that and I'm excited about that day. What a reunion that'll be with those that have gone on before us, moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas, aunts and uncles, 
ministers of the gospel that we have known and loved and traveled with and did all of these things. What a, what a time that'll be. It's wonderful. So we know that through Christ, salvation is granted and we have that hope of glory in front of us. But at the same time, can I remind you this morning that not only is that something that we have because of the gospel, but let me take you back to Isaiah chapter 40 and verse number 30. He giveth power to the faint. You may be tired this morning, but you don't have to stay tired. You may be discouraged this morning, but you don't have to stay discouraged. You may feel overwhelmed this morning, but you don't have to stay overwhelmed. The enemy may have his foot on your neck this morning and it may seem like life is leaving you this morning, but can I tell you, you don't have to lay there and die. Because when you come back to the gospel, you realize this, that God, through his son Jesus Christ, has given you something. And I want to remind you of what he has given you. He has given you power. What does that mean? It means that he has given you the ability to resist as well as to defeat that which is trying to bring death and destruction to you. So what I'm saying to you this morning is this, when I come back to the gospel, I realize uh, that he hath given me power even though I'm faint and to them that have no might, he increases their strength. Not only do I have power, but it means this, he has given me the power, but also he has given me the ability through the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God uh, that he is going to infuse my body, in my mind, in my emotion, in my spirit, uh, where I can begin to operate from a place of strength. Uh, can I tell you, I got to remind somebody this morning uh, that he that the sun sets free is free indeed. Uh, but at the same time, he that the power of God has rested upon, uh, there is no devil in hell uh, that is able to take that which God has given you. Uh, you say, well, what has God given me? He has given you life uh, and he's given you life everlasting. Uh, but he also has given you health. Uh, he has given given you the ability and the power uh, to take the keys uh, and begin to bind and to loose things. Uh, and can I tell you, uh, you and I have got to get back to a place where we realize uh, that God is saying, uh, my church uh, has never been designed to operate in a place of defeat, uh, nor has it been a place to operate uh, on a place of defense. Uh, but I have equipped my people uh, to be a relentless people uh, so that they can walk in authority, uh, where they can walk with power, where they can walk with strength. If I could say it this way, he says, I've restored the dominion factor into your life and therefore it's okay to get loud because I am still with you. That the enemy says, if I can keep you silent, if I can keep you in a place of doubt and uncertainty, is it all right if I just preach for a moment? Because can I tell you, in the midst of everything that's going on, I got to tell somebody, I don't know whether you want to believe it or not, but I know you might see all of the brokenness, you might see all of the fluff, you might see all of the all of the entertainment side of things and say, well, I don't know if I want that. In the midst of this, there is a still true genuine church that is baptized in the power and the anointing of God that is able to take authority and there is still lives that have been transformed and changed. Please hear me. 
I am not interested in being part of a religious organization. I am not interested in coming into the house of God uh, and just going through a few formalities and saying we had church. Uh, but I am here to tell somebody uh, that we are never going to change a culture. Uh, we're never going to change a world. Uh, we will never make the great commission, the great completion uh, until we get back to a place uh, where we realize God is calling us to a place of relentlessness. Uh, meaning this, uh, don't focus on what you don't have, uh, but focus on what you do have. Because uh, he says, I am with you. Uh, even when you don't know it, I'm still there. Uh, he said, I'll never leave you, never forsake you, uh, but I'll be with you always, even to the end. Uh, can I tell you, men may fail me. Uh, men may disappoint me. Uh, people might leave me. Uh, but at the same time, uh, if I look around, I can see what David saw. Uh, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Uh, and as long as goodness and mercy is there, uh, it means that he's still there. Uh, and if he's still there, uh, there is no devil in hell uh, that is able uh, to take what God has given me. Oh, come on. Please hear me. We're at a place right now, listen, uh, maybe you don't understand this this morning to the level that maybe you should, uh, but there's an enemy that's coming after your house. Uh, there's an enemy that's coming after your ministry. Uh, there's an enemy that's trying to come after your grandchildren and your children. Uh, there's, a, there, there, there's an enemy trying uh, everything he can, uh, but if somebody would be relentless and say, I'm standing, uh, I'm locking arms uh, with the brother and sister that God has put on my right and on my left, uh, and I'm standing in a place where God God says I can stand. I don't know if I'm in the house with any fighters or not, uh, but listen, uh, I'm, not, uh, I'm not interested in getting on a cruise ship with you, uh, but I am interested in getting on a battleship with you and telling you uh, that I am sick and tired uh, of the enemy uh, wrecking your home, uh, wrecking your family, uh, and I just come to serve notice to the devil today uh, that I refuse to sit down, uh, I refuse to shut up, uh, but I will stand uh, and I will lift my hands uh, and say, God, uh, if I have to have somebody prop me up on a rock, uh, I'm gonna let a generation swing a sword uh, where we can take some territory again. I wonder if there's any relentless people in this house. Listen, I don't have a big message this morning. I just come to tell you this morning uh, that we're in a place uh, where you gotta realize this. Uh, Dr. Caleb says this. Uh, he says, relentless people get what they want. Maybe you don't have what you want because you ain't relentless enough. Please hear me. You and I need to understand there's four requirements for being relentless. I wanna give them to you real quick this morning. Because if I go long, y'all can't take it, I don't think, this morning. Please hear me. Number one, we gotta make sure that we're living a focused life even when things are stale, even when things are not going like we want them to. Notice, notice with me. Exodus chapter number three, verses three and four. We find there's a, there's a passage that I wanna give you. It says, and Moses says, I will now turn aside and see this great sight why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see it, God called out unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, here am I. What am I saying? There comes a point in our lives where we have to realize this, I gotta focus on something. 
Moses on the backside of the desert, tending his father-in-law's sheep. We preached on this not long ago. But as he was there, all of a sudden there's a bush that's on fire, but it's not been consumed. And he says, now I'm going to turn aside and see this thing. It wasn't uncommon that something was burning in that manner, but it was uncommon that it wasn't been consumed. But when he focused on it, don't miss this. When he focused on it, it's when God began to speak to him. If you want God to speak to you, please hear me. You're going to have to focus. Can't do it by happenstance. Can't just do it when it's convenient, but say, listen, if I'm going to be relentless, I have to be focused in my pursuit. When Moses began to focus, he began to hear words such as this. Don't be afraid. I'll be with you. I will use you to bring deliverance to my people. Anybody in this room ever wonder why you're living right now? What your purpose is? I'll tell you why. God saw fit to have need of you right now at this moment in history. And he's wanting to use you and anoint you to be a deliverer of nations. It's time to span your vision today. You're not just called to your neighbor's house. It starts there, but you're called to the nations of the world. You're called to take this glorious light of the gospel to any place and every place that you can take it. So I wonder today how focused are we? Number two, this morning, if we are going to be the relentless church that God has called us to be, we're going to have to learn that we have to become willing to face the obstacles that lay before us. Didn't say you had to like them. Just got to be willing to face them. Isaiah 1 and 19 says, if you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. You missed a good place to shout right there. It says, if you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. How many wants the goodness of God in your life? How many wants the blessings of God in your life? Who wants the more that God has for you? How many feels like God has more for you? Here's how you're going to get to that more is when you become willing to face the obstacles. Because whether we want to admit this or not, I have to be honest with you. That if the Lord sees fit to give you another day, another week, another month, another year, there's going to be some obstacles you have to face. Now, you can let those obstacles control you, deter you, or you can become willing to face them. And you're going to have to be able to do like others before us have done. David, just a little shepherd boy, out in the field, watching over his father's sheep. One occasion a bear shows up, another occasion a lion shows up. How many knows those are pretty, pretty big obstacles? 
I don't know if I'm operating with a lion slain anointing today or not. But those was obstacles. And they came and they grabbed hold of that little sheep. Now he could have said that I lost one. That lion came. The bear came. Any good father would say, well, we understand. That's a little different than a little dog or what have you. That's a major combative issue. But David was willing to face not just small obstacles, but large obstacles. Because of the anointing that was on his life, you read the story and the testimony of the Lord because he was willing to focus and because he was willing to face the obstacles. It wasn't his mere human strength, but it was the anointing that was on his life that gave him the ability to grab a hold of the beard of that beast. And he was able to pull that sheep out of the mouth and deliver it. I wonder how many things that we have allowed the enemy to take from our lives if we would have just been willing to really face it, we could have grabbed him by the beard and pulled it out of the mouth of the beast. Just a question this morning. Not condemning, just a question. I'm here to tell us this morning, we're in a place in society in a time in history where we're going to have to be willing to face the obstacles. Because he's calling us to be a relentless church. Thirdly, is this this morning, we are going to have to learn what it is to be patient. I didn't say pray for patience. Please don't do that. But Psalms 37, verse 7 through 9 tells us this. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. Didn't say they might, possibility, but said shall. That's a given. He says, if you'll trust me. He says, if you'll live a focused life, if you will be willing to face the obstacles, and if you'll be patient, if you'll go when I tell you to go, if you'll stand when I tell you to stand, if you'll speak when I tell you to speak, if you'll be silent when I tell you to, you do what I instruct you to do. He says, you will inherit the land. Yeah. And all the while you have an enemy sitting on your shoulder saying, oh, it's over, it's over, it's over. You're never going to get it. You're, it's all too, no, 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 no. Listen, wait upon the Lord. What does this mean? If I go back to where we started this morning, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, says, but they that what? Wait upon the Lord shall renew their... If you go back to the Hebrew language of the word wait in this passage of scripture, it's quave, and it means this, to bind together by twisting. What he's saying is this, to the one that will allow their lives to be twisted with, together with mine. Think about a tiger tail donut from Jack's Donuts in Newcastle, Indiana. There you go. You got the picture that you need. You just get twisted together 
Can I tell you, when you're twisted together, it means waiting doesn't mean you're not doing nothing. It means you're letting him twist you together. You're molded. It's like husband and wife becoming one flesh. You're just coming together and saying, we're going to get everything else out and we're just going to come together. And when we wait up on the Lord, we become the relentless church that he's called us to be. I wonder today, how patient are you? You say, but why do I need to be patient? I'm glad you asked because I want to give you one more scripture this morning. Ecclesiastes 7 and 8 says this, and this is hard for us. Better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. The patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. I want that to sink in this morning. Better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. Now, I don't know how this is all going to work out, but I just know this, that when I look in the mirror in the morning, this old thing is faded, it's wrinkled, it's spotted. I don't know how it's going to be better in the end than it is in the beginning other than the fact that it can't be unless I'm in Christ. Because when I'm in Christ, I have a promise that there will be a day when I'm going to take this off and I'm going to put something else on. A body that is not corrupted by sin, a body that's not corrupted by the things of this world, but I will be likened unto him. Can I tell you, the end of this thing is going to be better than the beginning. And that's why the enemy does everything in his power to try to get us distracted. But can I tell you, we have to go a little further for us to really grab a hold of this. Romans 12 and 12 says, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. But I can take it a little further this morning. 2 Timothy 2 and 24. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, meaning this, we trust in God's process. But then Hebrews 6 and 15, it says, and so after he had patiently endured, talking about the man of God, he obtained the promise. There's some promises that you and I will not experience unless we be patient. And fourthly, this morning, I'm going to get ready to bring this to a close. I didn't say I was closing. I said I'm bringing it to a close. Be willing to pursue the goal even when others don't understand. Please hear me. I can give you another story of the life of David that many of you are probably familiar with. You've probably read it multiple times. First Samuel chapter number 30. We find that there was, David and his men had been out fighting. They had made Ziglag their place of dwelling. But upon their return, they found as they was arriving, the smoke was bellowing into the Sky, and they could smell the smell. But upon their arrival, Ziglag was burned with fire. Their children, their wives, all of their possessions was gone. It looked like everything was over. The weight of this moment was so powerful that the mighty men that was with David began to weep and cry and they even spoke of stoning the man that they loved in that moment. The weight of that moment, thinking everything was lost. But David did something 
in that moment. He called for the ephod, put it on, and he began to cry out to the Lord, and he said this, shall I pursue, shall I recover all? And the Lord began to respond to him and said this, pursue and you will recover everything. It didn't make any sense. Everything is nothing more, (coughs) excuse me, than an ash heap around him. Naturally looking at it, it was over. Naturally looking at it, there was no reason to have hope. Everything is destroyed. But I must remind you that David and his men, they would have never possessed one thing that they lost. They would have never experienced victory and they would have never experienced the provision of God if it wasn't for one man been willing to stand up and say, we will pursue even when it doesn't make sense to pursue. I sincerely believe this this morning. There's men and women in this room, maybe even watching us online, that it makes no sense in the natural to even try to pursue to recover it. It doesn't even make any sense to try to make it different because by the world's standards, it looks like it's just nothing more than an ash heap. But can I tell you, just like David, when men and women will pursue after the things of God, and be relentless in their pursuit. They will experience provision, they will experience victory, and they also will experience the recovery of that which the enemy has stolen. I don't know if we understand on the level that we should understand at this time in history of what's really transpiring in our nation. This is not a political fight, this is not a political party against a political party, but this is a kingdom of darkness against a kingdom of light. It is a kingdom of darkness that is trying to destroy the very thing that God has put his hand and favored. And can I tell you, if it's not evident, it should be evident now. One of the reasons why there is such an attempt to destroy this nation is so that there can be an utter destruction of the only partial of ground that God ever deeded to anybody, and that is the nation of Israel. And it's going to be really interesting to see what happens from our perspective as a nation over the next few days in the midst of the conflict and the war that we're now witnessing play out before us. But what I'm saying today is there needs to be a relentless church that's present right now. Not just for you, not just for your family, but for your nation and for the nations of the world. Because can I tell you, there is a last day harvest that God is getting ready to bring into the storehouse before we are called up into glory. And there's an enemy that's trying everything in his power to stop that from happening. But can I tell you, he cannot stop unless the church decides to not be relentless. this morning please hear me they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength and they shall mount up with wings as eagles they shall not run and they shall run and not be weary and they shall walk and not faint one of the most beautiful things that I can give to you today 
is this passage of scripture in the midst of your hurt, in the midst of your uncertainty, in the midst of your not knowing. But for the one that will wait upon the Lord, they shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run. Some of you can't even envision yourself walking right now because you're just barely crawling. But I'm going to tell you this morning, you will run. You will run again. But one of the most beautiful things in this passage is they shall mount up with wings as eagles. There is so much we could talk about eagles this morning, but as they get ready to come to the piano this morning, I'm going to do it quick today. One of the most favorite animals in my, for me personally, is the eagle. The majestic of it, the beauty of it, understanding the, some of the details of how an eagle lives and how it flies. It just intrigues me and it's ministered to my heart many, many times through the years. But you know, if an eagle stays on the ground and doesn't fulfill the purpose that it was created for, to soar in the heavenlies, it won't take long for that old eagle to become sick. Because little mites will get on it and start biting at it and nipping at it. And the bacteria of that begins to set in its body and it will become very ill and very sick. And I think it's so important that the writer inspired by the Holy Spirit says that those that wait upon the Lord, they shall renew their strength and they shall mount up with wings like eagles. Why didn't he say they should mount up with wings like birds? Why didn't he say you can mount up with wings like a crow or a robin or whatever? It's because when you really understand the life of an eagle, that old eagle can be not feeling well, feel down, feel overwhelmed, maybe even frightened. But if you can get him up off the ground, if you can get him just to spread his wings one more time, I just need to get him in the air one more time. Because if I can get him in the air and I can get him to circle, if I can just get him to start circling in the path that he does, I know that there's life coming. I know that there's, there's a freshness coming. Because when he begins to soar, he begins to fly and it's his nature. Gravity begins to pull him upward. And those old mites, while they could do what they wanted to while he was on the ground, but once he gets to the air, he starts getting higher every circle. Every circle, every rotation, he gets a little higher and a little higher. And he finds himself at an altitude where those little mites and that little bacteria can't breathe, it can't live, and it has to let go and it has to fall off. You know, the enemy comes and he tries to bite at your life. He bites at your family. He bites at your nation. He says, this is the end of you. I'm taking you down. You'll never fly again. But the Lord says, if you'll wait on me, 
if you'll just trust me, if you'll stay entwined with me, if you won't lose your focus, if you'll face the obstacle, if you'll be patient, if you'll just go and pursue when it doesn't even make sense and you'll fight for it. He says, I'll let you soar again. And that thing that's been trying to eat away and destroy your life, I prophetically proclaim in this house this morning that it's gonna have to let go. And the very thing that's taking life out of you is going to have to let go. And you're going to live and you're going to soar and you're going to walk in health and you're going to walk in strength. Because I make a decision to be relentless this morning. I refuse to back up and shut up, but I proclaim that Jesus Christ is still Lord. Where he is, there is liberty. Where he is, there is life. And where he is, there is everlasting life. And where he is, there is health, there is strength, uh, there is victory. There is not the drumbeats of defeat, uh, but there is a sound of reviving. Uh, there is a sound of life regenerating. Uh, can I tell you, I don't know what you're facing this morning. I don't know what it is that's been chewing on you, uh, but I can tell you uh, that they that wait upon the Lord, uh, they They will renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They will run and not be weary. Tell your neighbor right now with with an authoritative voice, say you're getting ready to run again. But you don't know how bad it is, preacher, but I know how good my God is. You know, you don't know how, how, how hurtful it is. I understand, but I understand that my God is the God of healing and delivering and setting free. Please hear me. The Relentless Church, we could not be lacking our brightness and our vividness. We could not sit in silence, but we must proclaim Jesus is Lord. I didn't come with enticing words today, but I come this morning to tell somebody maybe just one. It's not going to end how you think it's going to end. It's not going to end how you think it's going to end. You see, how can you say that, preacher? I can't speak for everybody across this nation. I can't speak for everybody in this community or any other community, I should say. But I sincerely believe those of you in this room and those that's watching us on the internet today and not just this house, but houses of worship all around this community, there is a relentless church present in the Whitewater Valley and it's getting its voice back. 
It's getting its passion back. It's getting its desire back. And I refuse. I'm just one. I'm just one voice today. But I publicly declare today that I refuse to relent. There's a generation in the crosshairs today. There's families. There's all kinds of situations today. But God is still the hope of glory. But not only that, He is still the one made the way through his son Jesus Christ who made these these statements come unto me all ye that are heavy laden and I will give you rest he says learn of me I don't know what your week looks like I don't know what your last 30 days have looked like nor do I need to here's what I do know though you got up this morning on a day then you didn't have to you got yourself up got yourself dressed got yourself to the house of God so it tells me a couple of things it tells me that you have a heart turned towards him it also tells me that you desire more of him that maybe you're also looking for some answers because of stuff going on in your life. Here's here's the deal. We need to be the relentless church. Why is it that the generation before us, they didn't have it all together? not putting them on a pedestal they were just men and women like you and I that had flaw and error in them but we can learn some things from them because I think I can make this statement for the ones that I knew they was relentless in their pursuit to be in the presence of God and they desired him to lead them and guide them of that you and I are in the house of the Lord today but if we don't get back to a place where we are relentless for the things of God the generation that we've given birth to will no longer have a desire to be in buildings such as this on Sunday morning and we're already witnessing it so don't tell me that's something far fetched can I tell you it's happening All the days of Joshua, the people served the Lord. All the days of the priest of Joshua, the people served the Lord. But after that, there arose a generation that did not know God nor the mighty works that he did. Here's the travesty. This is the reality. 
this is what happens when we lose our relentless pursuit for the things of God. My daddy, God bless his soul today, nearly 70 years of ministry, raised all of his children in the house of the Lord. We all had a drug problem. We was drugged to church week after week, month after month, year after year. He drug us. It's all we knew. Things happen in life. His children have children. Several of his grandchildren today, my father, several of his grandchildren today have no understanding of what's going on in this room today. That's how quickly we can lose it when we're not relentless in the pursuit of God. And I don't say that judgmental. I say that being honest and been brokenhearted today that I have nieces and nephews that doesn't know what it means to be covered by the blood. I got nieces and nephews that don't know what it is wait upon the Lord so they can be renewed. Oh, but we sang pretty and we preached good. But where's our pursuit? Where's our pursuit for a generation that's dying without God today? I'm glad you're here this morning. But I'd be a whole lot more glad if you had that little snotty-nosed four-year-old sitting with you that belongs to your second cousin or your first cousin or your aunt or whatever. Somebody's got to pursue them. Oh, but that takes my time. Listen, I'd rather you come in here with your hair not fixed and have five kids with you. I'm not concerned about how pretty you are. If it means you can't put on the tie, don't put on the tie. I'm to this point, and I know this goes against a lot of tradition, I don't even really care, but if it means you gotta come in your gym shorts and your t-shirt to bring a group of kids with you, bring them. If that's what it takes to bring, if that's what it takes for you to say, well, I don't have time to get ready. Listen, just brush your teeth, that's all I ask. Do whatever it takes to get here. Forgive me this morning. If we're not careful, we're gonna sing and shout and we're gonna bury our families with no hope of eternity. We're gonna continue to bury our families clothed in garments of uncertainty and say, well, I don't know. I just don't know. I just don't know. I'm going to tell you, a relentless church will know because we've pursued them so much. We've went after them so much. 
not beating them up, but loving them so much that they have to come to Jesus. Hear me. Please hear me. We can be the church on the side of the road. We can have our couple events a year. And so the the community says, oh, you did good. And we can get all the attaboys that we need. Or we can become a relentless church and not be satisfied until we turn a world upside down with the glorious gospel that Jesus loves, that he heals, that he delivers, and that he sets free. You and I have to make that decision. Will we choose to be relentless as we stand all over the house? Hey everyone, thanks for watching. I hope this message blessed you. And if you could, please check the description below for all of our links to our social medias. Um, and as always, check our page. You'll see all of our previous messages there. Uh, I hope this message again blessed you and uh, reached you where you're at. And thanks for watching. See you soon.